You are listening to episode 7.4, Rock Moniker, and it is the final tiny-sode of season one. Can you believe it's already been 28 episodes? Next week will be our full-length season finale, which is good because today will be one of our tiniest of sodes because old Albord is going on vacation and I also have a few projects lined up that will require a little bit more of my time until the year's end. But don't worry, because hopefully these endeavors will enable me to bring you more scattered curiosities. And don't think that I'll just leave you in the cold. I will totally be checking in periodically with the curiosity here and there between Season 1 and Season 2. Today's episode is dedicated to my amazing wife, who's a total rock star and has impeccable taste in music. As one of her birthday presents, I thought that she would find the topic of famous bands that once went by a different name to be of interest to her and also to you. This is Rock Moniker. The three-chord punk rock band Green Day was once known as Sweet Children as far back as 1986 when they were only 14 years old and were signed to Lookout Records. But they changed the name because it sounded too similar to another California band by the name of Sweet Baby. Scattered curiosity, when Green Day was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they placed their former band name, Sweet Children, on their bass drum head for the performance that they gave that evening. Similarly, the band Creed was once known as Naked Toddler. And speaking of naked people, the word pud, P-U-D, is frequently used as a substitute term when referring to the male sex organ, and it was almost the name of the band that we know today as the Doobie Brothers. The Cure had a comparable scenario when they were known as the Obelisk, which was totally meant to conjure a phallus into the subconscious. But give the guys a break. They were in junior high when they first hooked up in the 1970s. The Obelisk became Malice and Easy Cure, and then simply The Cure, at the insistence of frontman Robert Smith. I'm sure it comes as no surprise to you that I have picked up a lot of collateral history while researching this season. And a curiosity I came upon a while ago is finally handy in this episode. The English Viscount Jethro Tull was a major figure in the 1700s as part of the British Agricultural Revolution. And he invented an animal-driven seed drill to assist farmers in the planting of nice, neat, evenly sowed rows. Of course, Jethro Tull is also an English rock band that hails from Blackpool, Lancashire. Distinctively recognizable by their flutes, 
keyboards, and folk guitars in their infamous aqua lung, the group was greatly influenced by the Beatles and was once known as the John Evan Band and the John Evan Smash. And several gigs and band members later, they also tried names like Candy Colored Rain, Ian Henderson's Bag O' Nails, and Navy Blue before being dubbed Jethro Tull by their history-loving booking agent. Scattered curiosity, MGM Records once miscredited the band as Jethro Toe, T-O-E, on the single Sunshine Day with the B-side track, Aeroplane. The Polka Tuck Blues Band became Black Sabbath, and a black mark on antiquity can be found with white entertainers who wore blackface by applying burnt cork ash to their faces. And it is just one of thousands of casually insensitive customs that were an all-too-common part of history, most notably in the early American vaudeville. And as much as I love Amsterdam, as evidenced by episode one of this podcast series, Let's Go Dutch, there is one thing that shocks me every time I return. And that is when I see posters depicting Zwart Piet or Black Piet or Black Peter, who is the sidekick to Sinterklaas, the Dutch word for Santa Claus which wouldn't be so bad if the person who was pictured was of African descent. But it is most famously seen as a white person in black face with a curly wig, earring, and lipstick while adorned in Renaissance clothing. And the story holds that Black Peter is a Moor, M-O-O-R, from Spain. And Zwart Pete gives children candy and toys in the weeks leading up to Sinterklaasavond, St. Nicholas Eve, on December 5th in the Netherlands, Curaçao, and Aruba, and December 6th in Luxembourg and Belgium. To this day, you can see holiday show posters featuring the offensive character front and center. Perhaps one of the higher-ups of Creedence Clearwater Revival's first label was from the Low Countries, because he had named the band the Gollywogs, which was inspired by a figure from a piece of 1800s children's literature who wore blackface. Creedence Clearwater Revival doesn't seem like such a bizarre band name anymore now, does it? Before Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons were in the band Kiss, they were in another band named Wicked Lester. Soft White Underbelly evolved into the Blue Oyster Cult. Mr. Crow's Garden was altered to the Black Crows, a good change. And the original name is also derived from a children's book titled Johnny Crow's Garden. I like the band name The Shrinky Dinks, but... It conjures quite a specific image in my mind, so 
you can't just give that band name to any group. So I think that Sugar Ray was a much better fit for Mark McGrath's songs Every Morning, Fly, and When It's Over. And tell me that you wouldn't go see Tony Flo and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem. Totally great band name. Yet the name that the group finally settled on is also an excellent name, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Earth, Wind, and Fire were nearly the Salty Peppers. Again, great band name. Maroon 5 released two little-known albums under the name Kara's Flowers, which was named for one of the band's diehard fans. Their debut album as Maroon 5 was the phenomenally popular and catchy Songs About Jane. Tom and Jerry was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. That is, until they stopped making theatrical shorts. But while Tom and Jerry is a fine name for a television show about a cat and mouse, it was a less successful band name for a folk duo by the names of Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel as far back as 1956 when the two guys were already writing original music at the age of 15 and even had somewhat of a hit with their song, Hey Schoolgirl. And they had gone their separate ways for a time, but they regrouped in 1964, not as Tom and Jerry, but as Simon and Garfunkel. Atomic Mass became Def Leppard, spelled D-E-F-L-E-P-P-A-R-D. Why? The band wanted to pay homage to one of their influences, Led, L-E-D, Zeppelin. Scattered curiosity, the Arkansas School for the Deaf's mascot is the Leopard, L-E-O-P-A-R-D, so they are known as the Deaf Leopards. Can you guess which rap trio started out as the Young Aborigines? Brooklyn's very own Beastie Boys. Perhaps my favorite hip-hop band, The Roots, had a few incarnations before settling on a moniker. Black Thought and Questlove went to the same high school in Philadelphia, and the two performed as Radioactivity, Black to the Future, and even The Square Roots. But they soon learned that The Square Roots was already being used by another band. So, they shortened their name to The Roots. I recently saw Brian Wilson perform Pet Sounds at Radio City Music Hall, and to hear all those masterpieces live was such an inspiration that made me want to just burn my guitar and give up because he is a modern Mozart that I could never even come close to rivaling. And it may not surprise you to learn that the Beach Boys almost went with the name The Surfers. But it might raise your eyebrow to discover that before they were the Beach Boys, they were the Pendletons. Before Freddie Mercury teamed up with Roger Taylor and Brian May to form Queen, 
the band was named Smile. And Freddie Mercury explained it like this, quote, The concept of Queen is to be regal and majestic, end quote. And added, quote, Glamour is part of us and we want to be dandy. We want to shock and be outrageous, end quote. Sometimes a band name just picks itself. Such was the situation for a gang of Oxfordshire teens from Abington School who dubbed themselves on a Friday. Named so because their regularly scheduled band rehearsals took place on Friday evenings. Once signed with EMI, the band took inspiration from one of its favorite bands, The Talking Heads, and renamed themselves after the 1986 song, Radiohead. I am a huge fan of English slang, which is why I love My Fair Lady so much. Abdab is a uniquely British slang word. The American equivalent would be the creeps. Like, that dude in the trench coat over there gives me the creeps. Pink Floyd was once billed as the Screaming Abdabs. If you are a fan of the New Jersey Nets, you may know that the team's former point guard, Mookie Blaylock, was once a name that was utilized by the 90s grunge rock band Pearl Jam. This might be a bit confusing, though, as the band hails from Seattle. Well, the story goes that the group did not have a band name when they first performed at the off-ramp, and they chose Mookie Blaylock simply because one of the basketball player's cards was inexplicably found in the jewel case of their cassette demo tape. And in what was sure to become a trademarking nightmare, the band wisely retooled and became Pearl Jam. And this final tiny-sewed curiosity of the season is for my wife. Happy birthday, babe. I am sure that she probably knows this fact already, but before we had the Bad Boys from Boston, a.k.a. America's Greatest Rock and Roll Band, a.k.a. Aerosmith, frontman Steven Tyler had a band named Chain Reaction in the mid-60s. Joe Perry's jam band, consisting of Joe Perry, Tom Hamilton, and later Joey Kramer, was an entirely separate group. And in 1970, the two bands performed at the same venue on the same night and decided to merge. Although Steven Tyler did give one condition. He wanted to front the new group because in Chain Reaction, he was the drummer and a backup singer. Thank you so much for tuning in this season, everybody. It has been quite a journey, and I have learned a whole lot of stuff, and I trust that you have too. And I hope that you will join us next week for the full-length Season 1 finale of Scattered Curiosities, titled Swiss Army Scouts.
If you'd like to help us keep the curiosities coming, please rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to visit scatteredcuriosities.com for exclusive free downloads and to donate to the show.